It's a real privilege to have Assad Cheftari here. Um, we're sitting in the city, we're near the city of Saida, or Sidon in the south of Lebanon. And um, actually, I should get you to pronounce your name correctly as part of it. Tell me how you say your name. Yeah, I spell it Assad Cheftari. Okay. The difference is that Assad means uh, lion. Uh-huh. Assad is uh, the guy who makes people happy around him or something uh, similar. Okay, you know, so. okay, okay. Uh, I'm so supposed a, to do that, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah, so forgive my bad Arabic. No, no, uh, it's very tough. I yeah, say, yeah. You know, a, um, so you're someone who's a real peacemaker here in Lebanon now, and actually you travel the world and you, you speak about peacemaking and, and your whole story. Um, so I suppose for the next little while, I would just love to hear your story. And so, and especially those listening who might know, they may not know much about Lebanon, and they may not, of course, know about your story, but... Uh, your story is universal. It, it speaks to every country, and I'd, I'd love to hear it. So maybe we could start with, could you just trace a little bit of what it looked like in Lebanon before the war, coming into the war, what was happening, and then what was happening in your life during those years? Uh, can I correct a small thing first? Is that uh, what people are seeing or want to see in me is the part of making peace not the part of uh, calling for a personal, intimate uh, change, which one of the results in me was uh, trying to become a peace builder, you know. So I first started changing fully an intimate change, you know, at all levels, uh, of course, the moral values that exist uh, in Christianity, but in other also religions too. And then I came to uh, to what is attracting people, but uh, I try to to have a a more wider message, which is go back to your moral values to be able to change things around you. Okay, okay, yeah, thank you. So, can you tell us what it, what it was like then going back? I mean, the the civil war started in 1975. What what was Lebanon like, and and how did it all happen, and where were you in all well, of that? I, I like to say that my civil war did not start in 75, you know. It started when I was still very young, when I heard that Lebanon was not only made of Christians, Lebanese were not made of Christians only, but there were uh, Muslims among us. And those Muslims were so different that we should uh, avoid them and uh, maybe fear them. So little by little, I discovered that uh, uh, they were so different and so dangerous for uh, Lebanon as, a, as an entity, as a nation, and for the Christians of Lebanon, that I was brought up fearing them, you know. Uh, of course, I had some Muslims with me at school and later on at university uh, when we were preparing our engineering studies. But for me, they were not the real Muslim. The real Muslim was the one I was hearing about in society, you know. Uh, those guys were, were good, you know. So I, uh, I thought that it's because they were meeting Christians or they were in Christian schools and universities that they were so different from the Muslim I used to hear about. 
you know. So the Muslim was really a bad citizen, uh, or at least this is what I heard, of course. Uh, they were lazy, they were dirty, they were fanatics, they procreated a lot, they, 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 a lot of bad, bad ideas. And anything positive that I received about him, I threw away because it did not fit the profile I had already built about, about them. Uh, you know, and I feel a little bit guilty about that uh, now, more than a little bit, anyhow. And uh, later on, uh, my uh, relation with the Muslims went worse even when I heard about our political differences, you know. They did not believe in Lebanon, they wanted to, they were waiting for the constitution of the pan uh, Pan-Muslim uh, world, what they call the Ummah, you know, the, the Muslim nation. So Lebanon was like a hotel for them uh, until they were able to go somewhere else, which would be uh, to become citizens of this uh, uh, Muslim nation they call Ummah, you know. And uh, I did not understand why they identified with any Muslim in the world before they identified with their, or were uh, felt close to, uh, to, uh, to another uh, Christian uh, Lebanese citizen, you know. And then I did not understand why they were so eager to help the Palestinians. I mean, what do we have to do with the Palestinians? They sold their own country, so let them manage. It was not my problem at all, you know. And uh, how could they applaud the, the Palestinians, you know, especially when they were fighting against the King Hussein in, 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 in Black September in 1970, for example, or similar, similar things. In 69, the Lebanese government had to, uh, was forced to sign an agreement with the Palestinians, giving them the right to use Lebanon as a, a platform uh, to launch attacks uh, against Israel or to fight Israel, especially the South. And they were given uh, the right uh, to uh, move uh, their convoys, you know, uh, openly, you know, their military convoys and everything. So uh, uh, any Lebanese would be, uh, especially a Christian, would be arrested if he had uh, a small uh, uh, knife, maybe, and uh, if a, a tank could go uh, in the street, and no, uh, a Palestinian tank, and nobody would, uh, would stop it, for example. Uh, and they started, uh, you know, uh, being seen by the Muslim as their ally in order to change things in, in Lebanon. Because back then, you know, uh, the Muslims were dealt with as, uh, you know, uh, uh, children of a lesser God uh, for the, by the Christians, you know, who uh, held uh, most of the prerogatives, uh, uh, you know, like the, uh, the president of the republic who had huge prerogatives and rights, you know, uh, while the prime minister who was, who was Sunni uh, uh, could go, could be sent home by the president, you know, any, any, 
any time the president felt like it, for example, or the main ministries were held by the Christians also. Development was drawn into the Christian areas rather than the Muslim areas, and, and, and many, many other reasons. Inequality in the representation in the parliament, and so on, you know. So I suppose what you're describing was, uh, for those who don't know, Lebanon is really roughly evenly divided between Sunni Muslims, Shia Muslims, and, and Christians, I guess. Uh, but back in the early days of the Civil War, before the Civil War, Christians really had the ascendancy in many ways. Is that right? Uh, uh, according to, you know, we did not have any uh, uh, counting, how you say it? Uh, uh, yeah, like census, a census. Yeah. Census since 1932 in Lebanon. Because Christians are afraid uh, that uh, their number would be, their true numbers would be discovered, we assess that in 1952 our numbers became equal because the Christians were more numerous than the Muslims before 52, and since 52, I mean, it has been decreasing until uh, I feel that today we should be around 30, 32 percent max, but this is not admitted. And we still want to, uh, you know, so before the civil war, it was really unjust to see six MPs, six Christians MPs for each five Muslim MPs, and so on and so forth, you know. So the Muslims felt that they were living an unjust system and they uh, used the Palestinians to help them. The Palestinians, of course, were searching for another state uh, to replace uh, Palestine, and they thought that Lebanon would be very suitable uh, for them back then. So two agendas uh, met, you know, with a Christian, uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, political system that uh, was uh, 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 despised, you know, or did not give the, the real uh, uh, rights to the Muslims, you know. So it was uh, all in all, but I could understand it because we really felt that we were better, we were superior, we were the French and English speaking, and, 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 and many, many other uh, reasons. So in 74, the first, uh, the Palestinians kidnapped uh, four officers of the army, and the army started an oper a military operation and was almost going to win, like what happened in Jordan. But the Arab countries and Syria and the Sunni street uh, put a pressure on the, uh, on the government to ask the army to go back to its barracks. And this is when I felt, and many others felt, that uh, the system won't be able to protect anymore the modern Occident, Western uh, Lebanon, uh, Christian Lebanon we wanted, and that we should start by uh, to think how to protect ourselves and our idea of Lebanon by ourselves. Mm. So, so you felt it was necessary to defend your country. The army wasn't necessarily able to do it. And so I guess, and that's where the Lebanese forces and uh, these kind of militias started to develop on all sides. Is that yeah, right? Uh, in fact, the militias had already started since 67 to 69. To, you know, to, to train people secretly in 
uh, in different parts of, of Lebanon, you know. But we were still hoping that the, uh, the system won't disrupt the way it imploded, you know, in uh, between 73 till 75, you know. And in fact, I was, uh, I was mixing, I think, at this level between my identity as Lebanese and my identity as Christian. You know, for me, they became almost the same thing. Yeah, which is, I think, one of the big issues in any place of conflict is where, uh, certainly when it comes to faith, that faith becomes a demographic marker, like an identity marker, instead of something that we live out of uh, with compassion and love. If I can uh, put it this way, I don't think it was faith itself. It was identity a Christian identity rather than faith, you know. If I had uh, really lived my uh, faith the way I should, I should not have felt, uh, I mean, uh, uh, badly against the Muslims uh, taking their rights, you know, on an equal uh, level as the Christians and many, many other uh, things. I would mm. not have hated the Muslims, for mm. example, and so on, you know. Yeah. So. And so I wonder, can you just tell, you know, we could be here a long time with stories of the war, but what was basically your story? How did you get involved? What was your involvement? And, and then how did you change? Well, uh, I, uh, I started the first day, uh, I mean, the, the, what we, uh, we accept as being the first day of the, the events, you know, on 13th of April, 75. Till, till the end of the of the civil war, you know. So I took part in all of it. Of course, at the beginning, I was only a normal fighter, you know. Then uh, I worked in telecommunications, being a student engineer. Then uh, some artillery calculations and things like that. So we uh, started something which would uh, become later on, which became later on the central intelligence uh, and security service of the Christian side, if you like, or the Christian militias, which when they united called themselves the Christian Lebanese forces, because of course many parties, many militias united to become the Christian Lebanese forces. And uh, I did it all until the end of the civil war. So my task was to protect the Christians and to weaken the enemy. So you can imagine that I did everything possible to, uh, to weaken the enemies and protect my, my own, you know. Kidnapping, killing, murdering, uh, disrupting their system, uh, intelligence, counterintelligence, interrogation, anything. And I was really... Uh, fighting a holy, a holy war. Uh, so for me, everything apart, killing between brackets innocent was, was acceptable, you know? And uh, anybody who had carried weapons against us or spied against us for the enemy was, uh, uh, I mean, uh, was uh, someone I could decide uh, his fate, you know? But normal citizens, I never, uh, I never harmed them, at least mm. uh, directly or uh, knowingly, you know. Mm. Yeah, and you tell a story about visiting a priest 
and the, the subject of confession came up, and what was that story? In fact, uh, he was visiting us, you know. It was uh, a high-ranking uh, clergyman, Christian clergyman, who visited us and uh, free, well, from time to time, and uh, that day we asked, or I don't know if we, or at least I asked for, if, uh, if I could confess my sins, he said yes, and while confessing, I admitted what I had done during the last week or something. And he told me, why are you confessing this? You are, uh, you are defending Christianity, Christ, and you know, the church. So uh, you have, uh, you have, uh, you should have a clear conscience about that. And I can, I will, uh, uh, Absolve, how you say? Yeah, absolve, yeah. Absolve uh, you in advance for X number of, uh, the number I said inside, but I won't say it here, you know, uh, of, uh, of killings, uh, of executions, that was uh, the word. And uh, uh, once you finish this, this quota, come back to me and I'll give you the same quota later on. Mm. Mm. Be so at ease, let your conscience be at ease, you know. So he was giving you a... a a forward absolution, advance, yeah, yeah, a forward absolution. You yeah. know, this, I give this example not to accuse anybody or to say that I was victim of the system. No, I was responsible. I knew what I was doing, you know. But we were all uh, living a kind of uh, uh, wrong situation, you know, misunderstanding our real faith, you know, and the meaning of our faith and what we were doing at certain levels, you know. Of course, we had to protect ourselves, but this does not explain everything we did during the war. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and so then what happened in your life? How did this change from being someone who believed God was on your side and you were fighting a holy war and uh, something changed? What, what was it? First, I because of political things and an agreement that we were trying to implement at the end of 1985, which would put an end to the civil war. Uh, I was representing, among two or three others, the Christians in these negotiations, and the agreement was signed. But uh, some of the Christians uh, and some foreign uh, players felt that we had given too much to the enemies between brackets. So they made a military coup against us and we were overthrown and had to leave the Christian area. So the feeling of becoming uh, a refugee you know, within my own country first uh, and having to live among my former enemies and becoming a traitor to my own, uh, this helped already, you know. It helped me to start thinking differently. But it was when I met this group called Initiatives of Change, they were called Moral Rearmament back then, uh, who, uh, who asked me some really bizarre questions back then, you know, if I really uh, thought that God was asking me to do what I did, and could God be asking me to do what I had done? Uh, if I was ready to change what is in me before wanting to change things around me. And uh, asking me if what I was doing, the way I was living, was uh, abiding to the four uh, principal moral values, you know, that uh, Christ uh, taught us about purity, honesty, unselfishness, and love. And 
this is what triggered a very slow and difficult uh, inner conflict, <laughs> speaking of conflicts, you know, and questioning about my past, my present, and what should I do, I mean, in, in the future, you know. And it's when I woke up and saw blood on my hands and saw a beast in the mirror that I uh, wondered if I should kill myself or maybe continue weeping in a corner, you know, or, or say that this is the logic of war and I was do doing what everybody else was doing, mine or the enemy, you know or change into becoming responsible of what I had done, you know. And this is, I think, what I was meant to, to do. Until I met in dialogue uh, meetings uh, the others, the Muslims, the Palestinians, the leftist groups, you know, in meetings organized by the same organization, you know, in dialogue meetings, far from media, from, from, far from any public, where each one would come and say what he had on the heart to say, you know. And uh, I, this is where I discovered that most of what I, ha I had heard about the other was wrong, was biased. We were different, yes, but that was not a reason for killing 200,000 people. That's the number of people killed during the civil war in Lebanon. Yeah, and many other, you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, not uh, yeah of uh, injured you know and displaced and 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 uh, you know the whole uh, the whole amount of destruction plus the infrastructure plus the trauma plus 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 there was no reason for all that you know we could have sat together and dialogued instead of reaching a point where we were unable to continue listening to each other, you know, and uh, came to, to become violent against each other, you know. And uh, at a certain level, of course, I felt sorry and I felt guilty for all what I had done. And an idea, I think that it was not my own opinion, but somewhere, I mean, the Almighty was asking me to apologize. And I resisted this idea or this thought for 12 years. You know, Assad, you have to apologize. Assad, you have to apologize publicly and do something about your deeds. I, until a certain level, I could not avoid anymore, uh, you know, uh, running away, especially that one day I felt that my son was, uh, was almost going through the same cycle about ignorance and despise of the other uh, I had, one, uh, I had went, uh, went through. And uh, well, I obeyed and wrote an apology letter asking for the forgiveness of my enemies or their relatives, because many of them were dead already, you know. I also forgave those who had hurt uh, me, you know, and I had to forgive also the Christians, the other Christians who had uh, tried to kill me for uh, four times, you know. 
and who had made a coup against us and killed a lot of my, my own people, you know, my own group. And I also publicly said that I will try to repair as much as I could on a personal level because I had already left my former group, you know, and I was now by my own, you know. I just think that since then, my message has created a lot of ripples, some were positive, some were negative, you know. Positive ripples among my former enemies, and again being uh, regarded as traitor by my former own people, you know. Why you have nothing to regret? We, we did nothing wrong. Let the Muslims apologize before you or, okay, you changed, keep this for yourself. Why doing it publicly? You are accusing us and, and, and. But some were positive also, even among the Christians. But they did not uh, dare speaking of it publicly, maybe, or, you know, mm. such things. So you wrote, there was a, a letter to a newspaper, is that right? And then yeah, was... not for a newspaper. I sent it to, a, uh, to an agency, to a news agency, and they dispatched it to all the newspapers in Lebanon and other... And it was printed in, in most of those newspapers? Yeah, yeah. The, yes. the letter of apology, yeah. wow. I was asked later, it, uh, later on to translate it to, uh, to French and English, mm. this is what I okay. did, you know. Wow. And so you became quite famous then, I said, well, I don't know. I I'm would not... have preferred not to become famous, but that my message would become famous, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. you know how things yes. run. I'm not looking for anything for me, to mm. the contrary, you know. Mm. I consider myself as a servant mm. for my country and for wherever my message is, mm. is needed, you know. Yeah. And so in a nutshell, what is that message now, you know? To, if you go to, I know you've come to Northern Ireland, or if you go and speak in a school in Lebanon, what, what is your message? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, first, we created, apart from being member of Initiatives of Change, uh, where we are asked also to share our testimonies, go visit and so on, and speak publicly, uh, we were later, we met later on uh, some ex-fighters, we were five during some events that occurred in Lebanon between 2012 and 2014 and created a new organization, non-governmental organization called Fighters for Peace. Fighters for Peace. So we started five, we are today more than 50 uh, fighters, ex-fighters, among which some women and some recent fighters also. Uh, our main message is, is to address the youth, you know, to tell them there, uh, there is another way than violence. Violence does not solve anything. Uh, to the contrary, it, it creates another cycle of violence, you know, an, in, uh, an eternal one, you know. Uh, this is one thing. Second thing, try, dare, leave your comfort zone and go check if what you hear about the other is true or not. Third, dialogue, then dialogue, then dialogue is better than anything else, you know. So this is the main message for the youth. Now for the ex-fighters also, we work on them to try uh, uh, to convince them to change their hearts, 
you know, and become something positive in society instead of speaking of the good old days when we were in green, when we were, you know, famous, when we were, when we were, the whole set of, of things that ex-fighters usually love to talk about, you know. No, war was very ugly, civil war was very ugly, very bloody, and led to nothing. Of course, we address the general public you know, in media and in uh, public speaking uh, things, and we visit politicians to tell them that, okay, today you give a speech, and if it is an inflammatory speech, you will change your minds, your, uh, your, the other uh, MP or the other politician, but your followers cannot do it so easily, especially if they are uh, brainwashed by you. So please take care of the way you act, what you say, and similar things. Mm. So it's, you're really using the, um, the authority you have as people who really fought and saw the ugliness of war and, and, and now using that to speak uh, a, different, a different way, a, a way that a country can heal itself and, and people can move beyond violence. Uh, and we're, we're running out of time. I'm aware it's late. Assad has been speaking today to our Faith and Conflict conference here in uh, Lebanon. But uh, I wonder, can you just take us through that cycle you talk about? What are some of those key words in the cycle of, of violence, of, of ignorance, fear, you know? Yes. Uh, uh, the way I would draw the cycle would be uh, the following. Ignorance first, then avoidance then fear, then hatred, then the use of violence, then you lose uh, uh, the other humanity, you lose your own humanity, and maybe, maybe, maybe you would wake up later on, but it would be too late. Okay, well, that's a, that's a very profound, we see that so often in so many places, those exact kind of words. And certainly in the world today, where we, there are so many others out there, people that we are ignorant of, and you see fear rising, and it won't be too hard to imagine violence happening. Um, I, I wonder, could we end with just talking about your faith? Because for me, I'm interested in disarming Christianity or disarming this faith that is so beautiful but has been used in areas of conflict to say God is on our side. And uh, what do you have to say to that? How, how, do we, how did Christianity get dragged into the mud like that? And how do we, what is the beauty of Christianity for you that transcends violence? And when it comes to violence, you know, as a Christian, I always use this uh, argument is that uh, Christ, Jesus Christ, being God and being able to give orders to the angels could have brought a full army to help him against uh, the other Jews or the Romans. But he did not, you know. He used one word, love and forgiveness. And uh, for me, this is the, the real message, you know. Uh, it would be really ridiculous uh, that someone like me would think that he is asked or he has a mission to defend God, the almighty, the creator of the universe, you know. It's really ridiculous. And we, I was 
convinced that I was asked to protect him. You know, and I, I know today that many others, you know, like the Crusaders, uh, the Christian Crusaders, or what we, I would call today the Muslim Crusaders, uh, are uh, living the same, uh, you know, state of mind, you know. And it's really, for me, it's really sad. It's really sad. Mm -hmm. So, um, Assad, thank you so much for uh, sharing. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing your name not quite correctly, but um, I think uh, it's, uh, it's a privilege to be uh, with you because you embody the sadness of the war, but also the hope that a country like Lebanon can not be condemned to always repeat the past. And I want to thank you for being such a brave person who's um, speaking out. Uh, and, and I remember last time I met you, you were with... Uh, it was uh, uh, one of your, your colleagues who was on a different militia from you and, and it was the enemy. And to see the two of you sitting together and enjoying each other's company and just both speaking with one voice uh, is so profound and important to this us. This is the model, I think, that we want to show to others, that even people with a, a different background, uh, a contradictory background, and even now, a different set of mind, maybe political or sectarian or whatever, can work together for the macro politics, not the micro partisan politics, which is the wellness of uh, any human being. Yeah, and the, the, I love also you saying the importance of personal transformation and. Uh, All this would not have happened if I had not changed on a personal, very intimate uh, level. Mm, yeah. So I pray that we can all have that personal encounter of transformation um, that leads to change out in the world. So it's, I remember, is it Henry Nouwen, the Dutch priest, said, there will be no peace in the world until there is peace in the heart. My heart. Uh, right. and, um, right. and you're a good example of that. You're now a peacemaker because of change that happened in your heart. So thank you for giving us your time. Thank Asad. you for giving me this opportunity to help yeah. if my yeah. message can help. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. Thank you so much. Okay, goodbye. <laughs>